Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth full truth ultimate guide to roids gives you the keys to the lamborghini gives you the information and lets you decide what to do with it it's a crime this information has been suppressed this long now let's get on with the podcast i have been eating a lot of salmon lately usually how i eat my protein is that i wake up in the morning and i cook like one kilogram so like two and a half pounds of whatever uh, type of meat that I'm going to be eating that day and I pretty much just eat the same thing the whole way through because it's easy to get meals like that so a lot of times it'll be chicken breast Um, lately it's been salmon Uh, this past summer it was ground beef Um, it's been steak before steak definitely feels a bit different because of it's the way that it, the amount of time that it takes to digest compared to ground beef. Um, anyways, though, guys, with uh, with with your protein, you want to make sure that you're getting your protein in. I know we've talked about carbs being good for strength and everything, but when it comes to building muscle, uh, don't don't forget about the protein. You know, you, you need to be getting 250 grams of uh, protein in a day. You know, if you're anywhere near 200 pounds. Uh, because muscle is made out of protein. It's made out of amino acids, and uh, which is what protein is made out of. And if you don't supply the raw materials, the steroids can't help you build muscle. So just remember to keep that in mind, that um, eating the protein is important. If you can't get all the meat in that you need to get in, then... You know, taking some protein powder is better than taking nothing and, uh, you know, not getting those 250 grams of protein in. But, yeah, I definitely think that if you're on gear, you should be making sure you're getting 250 grams of protein in per day so that, you know, they talk about nitrogen retention. Like, oh, this steroid improves nitrogen retention. Well, that's how they measure the amount of protein that is kept in the body. So if you're having a nitrogen retention, retention balance that's positive you're retaining nitrogen well that's basically measuring the amount of muscle that you're keeping and when you eat protein you're adding nitrogen to the body so it's sort of a nitrogen in versus nitrogen out thing and you want the ratio to be positive more and more nitrogen is being kept in the body and storing up over time that means your muscles are growing all right The first question of the podcast today, hey Dan, it's Ryan, I've talked to you in the past, I listen to the podcast religiously and enjoy it, wanted to ask what your belief is on growth hormone dosage, diminishing returns if any, and what you believe growth hormone dosages for classic competitors, 
classic physique competitors all the way to mass monster open bodybuilding Olympia level bodybuilders. Okay, so I can give you general uh, general dosages, okay? Uh, but you can't look at someone and say, you know, this is what they're taking and this is the dosage that they're taking. That's uh, like not how it works. And, you know, to be talking about the guys who are the top level bodybuilders in the world, to be able, for someone to be able to claim that they can look at them and tell you their cycle is, it's just not, that's not happening. That's not how it works. What they can do is tell you a general idea of what uh, guys at that level take. And then each individual guy is going to, um, each individual competitor is going to have their own little take on that. You know, it'll be similar, but they'll have their own little tweaks and shit that they do to make it um, the way that they do it. So with growth hormone and bodybuilding, the... The dosage, I mean, I've talked about before. Two I use is the minimum effective dosage. Three I use is definitely a bodybuilding effect, and it's noticeable. Um, and four I use is, you know, making a big difference. And as far as, like, growth hormone uh, versus, you know, talking about getting the best out of it or diminishing returns, I'd say for your money, um, four I use is the best results that you're going to get where you're going to like it. Um, if you take more than four IUs of growth hormone a day, it starts giving a lot of water attention. And so that you'll, you'll see lines all over your body. Like when you wake up in the morning from sleeping, wherever you are laying down, there will be lines everywhere, deep lines, and your face will look so blown up. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll, your face will really look uh, like it's holding so much water, so bloated, which is not really a fun look. And then uh, another effect of uh, using high dosages of growth hormone is that it slows down the rate at which your uh, gut processes food. So the the um, the speed at which food moves through your intestines slows down, and this makes it so that you have a lot more food retained in your gut. Um, and so your gut gets like bloated and it feels bloated and it feels hard. It gets hard and, and bloated and more round looking while you're using the growth hormone because your food is staying in your intestines longer because it slowed down the gastric motility, the speed at which your intestines move the food through it. So it gets like backed up. There's a lot of food in there. And then after you t stop taking the growth hormone, it takes about 10 days for that to go away and to return to normal. You know, I've, I've talked before about how growing your organs, uh, growing, growing things out of control, like, uh, like growing the, the size of your intestines or growing your, your fingers, et cetera, your stuff like that. You know, that doesn't really happen at, at uh, dosages of growth hormone like four I use. Um, you know, for indefinitely or, or lower. Um, and I've said that a lot of what causes that in addition to high dose growth hormone, um, really the thing that really sets it off um, and makes it start happening in, in kind of an uncontrolled growth like that is uh, combining the growth hormone with insulin. And 
and so that that is like more of the permanent effect where it permanently morphs you and makes you like kind of like disfigured or something like that that's from combining high dose growth hormone with high dose insulin um but there is an effect of having a bigger harder rounder gut while using growth hormone specifically because it keeps the food that you eat in your stomach um so while you're on growth hormone you're going to have a bigger rounder harder stomach um and 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 so when you when you up the dosages up that like past 4 IU is it you know 3 or 4 IU per day that's when those kind of effects you know really start kicking in pretty cons- pretty like uh, in your face type and i mean it it just becomes more and more and more the effects of growth hormone and like how big like growth hormone is really good for making you big okay so if you've gotten to a certain level of like muscle development and then you start taking growth hormone you'll get a lot bigger um and and more full and more complete um that's definitely i mean it makes you big and you know while you're on it too you are going to have some water retention but there will be like fat burning going on at the same time and if you're on a low dosage like two to four IUs you won't really have much water retention and and so then you will like look fairly um like like lean you'll be able to like see more leanness coming but normally if you're taking high dosages you uh something like 10 IUs 15 IUs 8 IUs a day um you would you would need to come off the growth hormone in order to actually see the fat loss gains that happened while you were using the growth hormone because the water retention would really be pretty extreme. Um, another effect from taking too much is that you're, you produce a lot of lactic acid from it and like your, your hands will kind of get swollen or your, your feet will kind of get swollen something like walking a two kilometers or walking one mile that could really be painful for your feet you'd feel that in your feet if you were on something like nine units of growth hormone per day uh you know you would really feel that in your feet walking uh they would be feeling like they were burning the arch of your foot would be burning as you're walking um and so that, you know, that those kinds of side effects I'm talking about here are what increase when you increase the dosage higher. Um, the, the standard dosage um, that, that is used by, by athletes and uh, what works really good. I mean, I keep on going back to this four I use because um, when growth hormone was originally invented and brought to market as humotrope, um, RDNA, um, growth hormone, the kind that was manufactured, you know, from genetically modified E. coli bacteria instead of grinding up human pituitary glands and injecting it. Now they've got the RDNA technology making it with a first brand that was like widely available was Humatrope. And that came in four IU vials. So that originally was like, oh, you, you, you use it, you take the vial. And, and that was the, the, the dosage for that so and that's actually a dosage that works really well for athletic purposes and it's, it's a in a balanced way uh so 
you know, you're talking about guys that want to like look good and, and they they don't want to sacrifice, um, having, well, I, I think sacrifice is kind of a weird word when you're getting bigger, you're going to have to like take on water and you're going to have to, um, like, like, you know, like gain some fat and stuff like that, you know, not, not look like such a beautiful dude. Um, all the time, you know, when you're, when you're getting bigger, that's just the nature of it, eating extra food and everything. Like you, you swell up a bit. And so, um, I just want to say though, that the majority of these guys that you see that are keeping it tight year round, they're keeping it tight year round for I use is a good baseline to put these guys at, you know, when you're saying like, well, how much growth hormone does he use? And, and you look at him and you say, well, what does he look like year round? Like he's keeping it tight all year round. Well, he's probably using, you know, not much more than four. I use the growth hormone. He's keeping it in that range. But then you see these other guys, like you're talking about the, um, the bodybuilders that you see that get, uh, you know, really like watery and really round and really bloated in the off season. And I think everybody's seen that. And, and, you know, the classic physique competitors do it too, most of them. Um, but the open the open competitors, you really see it in them where they, they look like a Michelin man or something. Like they, they really look soft to the touch during the off season. And and that's that's a lot of that is from using the really high growth hormone dosages. And, and you'll also see uh, more of a round looking stomach at that time. Um, and, and part of that, part of that, because part of the equation is when you have growth hormone in your system, your gut movement is slowed down. So the, there's more food sitting in your stomach. So, you know, during that off season time, some of them take growth hormone, you know, up to the day of the competition. And that can be, um, again, a reason why their, their gut will be more round looking at the competition, but that that's a foolish mistake. Uh, because, because, you know, you don't want that just for some more size that the growth hormone is going to keep on you you know they should have taken that out three weeks earlier so that that wouldn't be that way uh but i I don't want you guys to get it in your heads that like oh the growth hormone gut is caused by growth hormone because it's not it's caused by the combination of high dose growth hormone with high dose insulin okay but there is this other effect from taking growth hormone where it slows down the food going through your, your intestines okay so i want you to make sure that you know that those are two separate uh like effects that it has on your abdomen area okay it's not the same thing um yeah yeah so you know the the dosages that that are used uh mostly post workout you know like a single muscular a single single intramuscular injection post workout when you see these guys that have that really bloated look that really soft to the touch look that's usually how they're using it when do they take growth hormone? They take it post-workout. And that's like in a single dosage per day. And I'm that goes anywhere from eight IUs, that, that to, sort of a range. Because now we're talking about, you know, they're trying to get hyperplasia, which is where the growth hormone post-workout activates the stem cells to the, then go to the damaged muscle cells and become muscle cells. So creating more muscle cells on your body. Um, through activating stem cells with high dosage growth hormone causing high super high spike of igf1 in your body so that that's the purpose of taking that big dose post-workout like that 
And I mean, I mean, I've, you know, I'll just for guys that are like, oh, it, you know, no one could be taking that level. I'll just tell you what I myself have done. Um, you know, you know, I've done nine IUs of growth hormone post workout um, uh, in single bolus injections. You know, for maybe a period of like a month at a time, or you know, the the highest single amount that I've ever taken. Uh, post-workout was I took a 15 IU shot post-workout one time, you know, and, and that gave me mad water retention, by the way. Um, but you know, that's, so that's me. That's what I've done. So, um, I, I'm just giving, saying that. So you have a baseline because there's this thing where people, when they're talking about dosages, if they don't know someone who's done that dosage, they just find that it's unbelievable or something, but it's not. It's not like it's a recreational drug that gets you high. It doesn't even really have any like, like a very much immediate effect. You know, you just freaking have the growth hormone pen and then you just push on it and it goes into you at the dosage that you selected. So if you select nine IUs or you select 15 IUs and you put it in, that's what it freaking does. So it's not like impossible to do that. And, and you know, people that are telling you that, no one does that. The, they're just uh, boldface lying to you, like they're they're deceiving on you on purpose. Um. So yeah, you know, pros go up to 15, 20, 30 IU's of growth hormone in a single shot post workout. The dosage, um, the highest dosages that have been studied in medical use for growth hormone use for. Like using for diseases, not bodybuilding, is 24 I use a day. Um, it's it's in that range. It's like 24 to 28 I use a day uh, that's been studied for that. So again, like that's for medical use too, guys. So you know, is that comfortable when people are on that dosage for medical use? Do they enjoy taking that? No, they don't. Uh, principally because of the water retention effects. But uh, you know, for for people that are just so just it's so hard for them to believe that people can do these kinds of growth hormone dosages i'm trying to tell you this just to open your mind a little bit to you know what goes on uh do i think that taking those big growth hormone dosages like that is very good uh no i i think that it's really uncomfortable um it's it's not fun i, I mean it works and it helps you get bigger uh it growth hormone can help you get a lot bigger but uh, you know, you were saying, you know, like, what is what is the the diminishing return dosage or whatever? And that's why I was telling you, like, four I use, because that's uh, like a good dosage where you're getting the effects. It's helping you get bigger and you're not getting you're not feeling so uncomfortable because you're taking so much growth hormone that, that it's really affecting you um, because because taking a ton of growth hormone, too, will also make you feel kind of like having some. uh hard just just hard to walk around hard to get the energy to walk around and stuff it'll make you feel like like you're a bit low energy to take so much like that so when you really boost the growth hormone dosage up you know really really high it, there's definitely side effects that and and most of the side effects I, I would describe it as it makes you feel very uncomfortable um so, so yeah, I mean that that's pretty much it. Do do some people take more than than what I've mentioned in this little thing? Yeah, do some people take a little bit less? Well, 
not many taking less than three or four are you i mean you know if they're a, if they're a bodybuilder and they use growth hormone in in any manner you know not taking less than you know three or four i use but yeah that the average or the normal dosage goes from three three to four i use up to 30 i use um in the in those post post workout dosages for people that are going you know you're talking from just anybody who you know is interested in bodybuilding using growth hormone up to somebody who is an open uh bodybuilding champion uh people but and then on top of that people experiment right and my suggestion is that if you're going to use growth hormone to use it, I think four I use is a really good dosage. I think six I use is a really good dosage. And then if I used more than that, you know, it would it would be one of those things where it was like, oh, man, uh, not doing a lot of stuff other than bodybuilding right now on a day-to-day basis. And... Uh, it's a little bit too in your face that like I'm using a lot of growth hormone or something. <laughs> uh, so that, that's what I think about that. Um, the next question is from Jack from Plymouth, UK. He asks, hi, Dan, love your podcast and your non-bullshit approach. What do you think about splitting up your weekly dosage of testosterone and microdose injecting every day with an insulin syringe? This is what, so there's nothing wrong with, with microdosing your, your testosterone. Okay. There's, there's nothing that's, um, inherently bad or evil about it, but what it is, is that it's just totally unnecessary. Um, and, and, and it's, it's something, it's almost just something to talk about. If you can say some kind of cool buzzword like microdose then you can sound like you're doing something really smart and really crazy rather than just doing it normal, which works fine. And, you know, normal works great. If you want to be, like, obsessive-compulsive or having, like, a a Freudian anal fixation where you have to be, like, so anal retentive and and obsessive-compulsive and anxiety-stricken about all this... You know, maybe microdosing would be for you because then, you know, you'd be, you're doing all this stuff in your brain, stressing yourself out all day. And if you could, you know, have this strategy that you could hold in your head and think it's superior and say microdosing, then, then maybe, maybe that's going to help you with your anxiety or something. But like, like I said, there, there's nothing wrong, wrong or bad about microdosing. It's just that it's totally unnecessary. Um, and it's just weird because um, you said that, that they they say it balances your blood serum levels, making it less likely to have to use an AI. Well, not really. There There's guys that have to use an AI and there's guys that don't. And there's some guys that has to use a ton of AI. It just has to do with your genetics. It doesn't really have to do with how you take your testosterone or... Uh, some other wild thing you do, or if you take this other thing with your testosterone, it's like there are guys who just don't really have much aromatase enzyme that transforms testosterone into estrogen, and those guys don't need to use AI. And then there's guys with a normal amount, and if they're using 600 milligrams or so of testosterone per week, any way they take the testosterone, they got to take like something like two milligrams of aromatase a week. 
And then there's guys that are really sensitive to estrogen and create a lot of estrogen from testosterone. And, you know, they got to be using like five tablets or six tablets or seven tablets per week, you know, of Arimidex. It's, it's very individually genetic variant and doing all these other little things or taking these vitamins or some shit and, and thinking that's going to be the thing that's going to be saving you or that's going to be the ticket, the answer to your problems. That's not it. That's a smoke screen. Um, so you said, could you do this with a super physiological dose of testosterone, such as 600 milligrams a week? So you'd be injecting just under 600 milligrams a day. And do you recommend using an insulin syringe for injecting testosterone? Yeah, I think that you should do two injections a week if you're using long-acting testosterone. So testinanthate or testcipionate. Um, or test under weight, you should do two injections a week and then you'll feel smooth, you'll feel fine and you'll feel like you're always on the same dosage. Um, if you're using Sustanon, then you should probably do three injections per week to feel always the same. Um, if you're doing propionate, then every day, every day, once a day. Ba base, and I mean, so yeah, if you're injecting 100 milligrams a day, just do propionate if you want to inject every day and take your testosterone Propionate's the best one anyways. It feels the best. You feel more mentally more than the other esters. Um, and you asked, uh, is it, would I recommend injecting with an insulin syringe? And the answer is no. So some of these guys that do the, you know, the microdosing thing, uh, they, they like inject it like into their fat, okay? And so when you inject it into your fat with an insulin syringe, a subcutaneous injection with an oily steroid, it gets stuck there and you have this little lump in your fat and it doesn't go away for three or four weeks. So that's why it, it absorbs so slowly. Like when you do it like that, because it gets stuck in the fat because there's no direct blood supply to fat, the blood, it's just sort of like an osmotic process where it kind of goes around the fat, but there isn't the direct blood supply like there is in muscle. So it just sort of sits there for a month. It's pretty annoying. Um, and then with the injection with the insulin syringe, um, you can do it, you can do it uh, in really lean areas when, when you have, so for a shoulder, it's recommended for a shoulder. If you're going to give yourself an, an intramuscular injection in your shoulder, using a half inch insulin syringe would be the recommended, um, instrument. But if you're doing injections on your glutes or on your ventral glutes or hip flexors or on your quads, you can use a half inch insulin syringe, but it won't be very deep and you'll get more of a lump up at the surface. And some of these lumps that happen at the surface will never really go away they'll sort of become scar tissue on the top of the muscle, on the fascia area of the muscle. Um, and so if you, for example, if you do a lot of half inch needle um, quad injections, over time you'll have like lumpy areas on your quads where those injections were. And it won't really go away. It'll just kind of like be there from then on. Uh, so when you inject with a deeper needle one inch, um, it gets deep enough so that it's like really in there and it's nowhere near the surface. Um, so, you know, if you're not doing the shoulders, it's definitely recommended to do a one inch or one and a half inch needle injection. 
but I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, I've never, like, in a pinch, just do it with a, a insulin syringe half-inch needle, because I do do that sometimes when I'm in a pinch. So that's what I'm saying. It's not, like, preferred, but it's definitely possible you can do it. Okay, next question from Will. Hey, Dan, love your ebook, Ultimate Guide to Roids. It's been a huge help inside and outside of the gym. I've been reading about Trenbolone and its nutrient partitioning ability and even its ability to outright prevent fat storage. I'm looking to put on a lot of size and no body fat whatsoever. Should I just eat at maintenance or can I count on Trend's supposed metabolism boost and nutrient partitioning ability to allow me to eat at a surplus? What would you recommend? Are there any macros I should prioritize on cycle? Thanks. Uh, it, you know, really prioritize protein. If that's the case, you want to eat a lot of protein. Um, when you're, when you're wanting to stay super lean and you're wanting to bulk and I'm talking 300 grams plus, um, protein is, is very, uh, difficult to turn into fat, especially when you're on gear. Uh, but it is a very highly, um, uh, nutrient partitioned nutrient. Uh, so, so you want the, the protein to be high protein also makes fat burning work better. Um, uh, and, and I don't really think that you should be, um, that you should be eating in a surplus much. If you want no fat gain whatsoever, you should be taking trend and you should be take, taking a really large amount of protein, eating a very large amount of protein, 300 grams plus per day, and then eating a, a, a pretty low fat diet too, um, and, and a higher carbohydrate diet, um, and, and eating a strict diet too, um, not, not taking the trend and then using it to prevent fat gain while you eat pizzas or eating ice cream or something like that. Uh, although you can use ice cream every once in a while, but I, I mean, what I mean is, is not to, um, uh, if you, if you want to take trend and you want to actually like burn fat or you want to prevent any fat from being gained while, while gaining a lot of muscle. I mean, you said you're looking to gain a lot of muscle. Okay. Well then you're going to have to gain weight. So in that case, yes, you should definitely eat clean. You should definitely eat a ton of protein, eat low fat and eat high carb and gain weight slowly, not more than a pound a week, if if that, uh, because it's just the nature of the beast. It's just the nature of the beast. You gain a bunch of weight, it's not it's not all muscle. That's the way to do it. And is it easy to gain much muscle weight without gaining any fat? No. And people that try to just do both at the same time, like get bigger and burn fat, a lot of times they don't make a lot of changes, make a lot of improvements. It's better to just, you know, really go gung ho on one or the other. Like I'm going to get big and strong or I'm going to get lean and lose weight um, and eat one way or the other. That's the most effective way to do it. Uh, but more of like smaller changes can be made not doing that. Uh, okay. So next question. Hi, Dan. Just want to say love the show and appreciate you putting the time in, giving us all these answers. Been running 500 test enanthate and 400 trend enanthate. 
and Arimidex for eight weeks now, wanting to take it a bit further, and I've started 30 milligrams super draw and clen on top. That sounds like a really powerful cycle. Do you, remen- do you recommend op- upping the dose of Tren? I've heard that Tren should be higher than test. Also, is 30 milligrams of super draw enough? Appreciate your help. Bib from Australia. Well, uh, trenbolone enanthate's a little bit weaker than trenbolone acetate because there's like 90 milligrams per, per 100 milligrams. 90 milligrams of trenbolone per 100 milligrams of trenbolone acetate. About 10% is the acetate ester or 10 milligrams. And then in the, in the enanthate, it's, it's about 70 milligrams per 100 milligrams uh, with 30 milligrams of the the weight of the trenbolone being the ester per 100 milligrams. So the every 100 milligrams of tren acetate ends up being about 20 milligrams more actual trenbolone in your body than trenbolone enanthate because of the difference in the ester weight between acetate and enanthate. Um, so the a, a comparable, you, you know, you're taking... 400 tren e well that's similar to 300 tren acetate in its strength which is plenty strong you know that's that's strong can you take more tren yeah but when you start taking more tren than that that's when it starts to become pretty much in your face with the side effects and it's more of a thing where it's affecting your life quite quite a lot outside of the gym right now you're on the dosage where it's pretty tolerable inside and outside the gym um, and you're doing well. So, you know, you said, should you, would I recommend upping the dose of trend? Well, not really. Um, I think the dose of trend that you're on is fine. Could you take more? Yeah. Will it work a lot better? Yeah. <laughs> That's up to you. But, you know, if, if you're really eating a lot of protein and, and you're training super hard and I mean, the cycle that you're on unless unless you're you're really getting up there i mean you should be able to make slow steady gains with what you're doing is it is it going to be explosive insane gains you know no no uh but it, it you know you can do a lot with what you're on 500 test 400 trend 30 milligram super draw you can with clan on top you can do a lot with that um you know, 30 milligram super draw is a really good dosage. That's where it kicks in. It's got all the effects, makes you strong. It makes you hard. It makes you big round muscles. Um, you know, super draw is really amazing stuff. Um, and it, and it has no female hormone side effects either. Um, so I will tell you that 50 milligram super draw is a lot better than 30 milligram super draw. Uh, so, as far as the the dosage of Superdraw, where I feel like you get the max benefits looking the most, because it's kind of like a freak show drug, you know, Superdraw, looking the most full, the most freaky, um, getting the most strength, everything, like definitely 50 milligrams. So if you were going to up one of the dosages on those, you know, I if you did the Superdraw, that would be the one where... I think you'd see the most immediate change and and it would probably have the most prominent effect unless you roughly like doubled your trend dose. It, you know, 
you'd probably have to go from trend 400 to trend 800 in order to equal what moving from 30 milligram superdrol to 50 milligram superdrol will do for you. Um, but then, of course, you can maintain a high dosage of trenbolone for quite a bit longer than a high dosage of superdrol because uh, trend can be run for a long time, you know, months. Um, superdrol, usually people don't want to take it anymore after four to eight weeks and usually on the lower side of that. That's the thing with a lot of steroids and a lot of why, you know, people will stop taking them is because if you just take too much or you take too much for too long or whatever, you get tired of it because it's it's interfering in your life outside of the gym. That you're getting in your face side effects and that's what kind of keeps you that's what kind of gets you off of it. Um I think that you're on a really good recomposition cycle. So, anyways, Bib from Australia. I think you're going to have a great cycle, uh, or you should be having a great cycle already. Um, and you just started super draw. If you want to up it to 50 milligrams, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot better. 30 milligrams though is good too. Okay. Next question is from Steve. He asks, Hey, love the podcast. Keep telling it like it really is. In many podcasts, you talk about the importance of having a solid testosterone base when taking orals do you mean a natural testosterone base meaning normal test levels for one's age or an enhanced boosted t-based is there a way to boost t-levels without injectable testosterone also for a guy like me who really wants to take orals what's the best way to learn how to take injections i wish i could just go to a doctor or a nurse or some professional and have them do it <laughs> that was a funny question uh yeah, well, testosterone makes all the other steroids work a lot better. So testosterone is also a healthy steroid. It, it doesn't hurt your health. When Most people that take 1,000 milligrams of testosterone can go to the doctor if that's all they're taking and get a blood test, and, and nothing will really be wrong. Maybe their cholesterol will be a little bit out of range, but that will usually be it with nothing else. So it's a natural hormone. Your body knows what to do with it. And it's not inherently toxic at all. It doesn't it doesn't have any inherent toxic factors. Can it can it create side effects? Yeah, yeah, it can. Um, but you know, it's also very cheap. It's good bang for your buck. It makes all the other steroids work better. So all the other toxic steroids, the more tests you're on, the little the smaller amount of the other steroids that you have to use in order to get their stereotypical characteristic effects out of them. So. If you're using 200 milligrams of test and 350 milligrams of trend, yeah, you're going to feel the trend. But if you went up to 1,500 milligrams of test and then you added in that 350 milligrams of trend, you would feel the trend a lot stronger because having the higher test dosage will make it will potentiate any other steroids that you add in and make easier to feel their effects easier for them to do their thing without needing to take massive dosages of them uh so that, that's why i i say you know taking the testosterone is is really good not to mention the fact that big guys use a lot of testosterone it makes you big it makes your muscles big so if you're looking to be like a big dude a really dominant big dude in the gym 
who is better at compound exercises than you know pretty much everybody else or you know at least you, you know you go to any gym you go to it's like hey you know you can hang you know with the top guys in that gym on pretty much any compound exercise you may not be lifting as much as them but you know you're you're nothing to shake a stick at uh, you're going to be needing to take you know at least 750 milligrams of testosterone um yeah so so is is there a way to increase natural testosterone um not while you're using other steroids if you were natural you could you could take Novadex if you took 20 milligrams of Novadex every day or 40 milligrams of Novadex every day you'd have like 1.5 to 2 times your natural testosterone level somewhere in that range um, from doing that Novadex tamoxifen, which is a fertility drug, if you took that. But uh, those test booster, like pills and stuff like that, like natural supplements, those don't do anything. Those don't work. Uh, they may make you horny. They may make you horny, but they don't increase your testosterone in a way that uh, has any type of muscle building effects. Um, so... Yeah, they, th those suck. Those suck a dick. Uh, also, you say also for a guy like you who wants to take orals, what's the best way to learn how to take injections? Well, you got to watch some videos of it. You can go to spotinjections.com. They teach um, injection technique for intramuscular injections there. Um, or you could you know watch some YouTube videos of it or something. It's, it's really not that hard. It's more of just like a fear of getting through that first injection because psychologically you've never punctured your body with something before. So the thought of taking like a, a staff or a rod and pushing it through your skin into your body is very foreign to your mind and you feel like you don't know what's going to happen because you've never done something like that and you're not sure what's inside. So it can be very stressful and very... Um, you know, you just, you, you don't know. You, you're not used to having things puncture your body. <laughs> as far as you know, that that's what a bullet does and that kills you. So, so it's very understandable to be having a lot of uh, anxiety about giving yourself an injection before you've ever done it. But just to let you know that that psychological block, it goes away after you do it the first time, because after the first time, you know, you put the needle there and then you give it a little bit of pressure and then it goes through your skin and then it's inside of you and you're like, oh, well, I just put something inside of me. I put this metal rod inside of me and look, it's okay. I'm still standing here and nothing happened. And I guess that my body can have little rods put into it or something like that. Um, you know, like puncturing through the skin into the muscle. Um yeah, and it's like a psychological shift that um, happens. And then after that first time, it's really never scary again. Okay, and the next question is from Kevin. He asks, love the podcast, found it a month ago, ripped through all the episodes. Very helpful to have proper information on performance-enhancing drugs when there's so much bullshit out there. When people say Ronnie Coleman got to the Olympia without steroids and then got his later winning physique by starting gear, do you think the actual difference in his structure lies more in the use of insulin? 
Seems totally unbelievable to get to the Olympia natural. Yeah, he, he wasn't natural when he was a pro bodybuilder. But what happened is that uh, he wasn't using what the other guys were using. Uh, you know, he was just using more like normal, normal cycles, you know, test and DACA, Winstraw, Prima Bolin, maybe a little bit of trend or something like that. You know, he was doing basic cycles. Um, and then when, it, and that, that's why he wasn't, he wasn't a winner when for a lot of his career, he was, he was just one of these background guys. And then he, he talked to Flex, Flex Wheeler and uh, Kevin Lavrone and they told him what they used and he was like in shock and uh, and then he started using that and that's when he really blew up and really blew it all away you know he he's the world champion uh, ever you know so he he's you know this this guy is he's the biggest human that's or the most muscular human that's ever existed so he really has something special going on with him Okay. Uh, but, but he wasn't, he wasn't natural. What, what that means if you read through the code with when they're saying, you know, what their dosages are or something, it's like, okay, so multiply that by three to 10, probably 10, et cetera. And, and, you know, when they say like I was natural, that means like, okay, well I was like on like normal cycles. And then, you know, when they say, oh, he started taking gear, that's when he started taking what the other top pros took, okay? Uh, you know, somebody might say something different, but, but, like, get real, man, okay? It's, when you see science experiments, that's because it's a science experiment. When you see a freak, that's because it's chemicals. <laughs> you can't have a science experiment without the chemicals to react and do the science experiment. You just got a bunch of beakers and shit. All right, the next question is from Ethan. When taking MK677, which is a it's a oral growth hormone secretagogue, it it mimics a hormone called ghrelin that your stomach makes when it's empty, when there's no food in your stomach. It starts releasing this hormone called ghrelin that your pituitary gland reacts to and that causes your pituitary gland to start <laughs> Releasing growth hormone and it tells your body that you're hungry and you should refill your stomach with more food So that's why mk677 makes you so hungry um, And and yeah, it, it does have an insulin uh, Desensitizing effect to the fat cells um, And somebody who is going to take mk677 is going to have a rise in their blood sugar It's not going to cause you to turn into a diabetic or something especially not especially because you shouldn't be using it unless you're on steroids anyways because Growth hormone stuff doesn't work uh, for PEDs, for performance enhancement, unless you're on steroids already. Um, and then you add the growth hormone kind of thing, um, the growth hormone or peptide or whatever. Um, so you're going to, you're, you're going to, you know, you say you plan to use it while cruising is it just makes me super fat while I'm using it on a bulk or blast. Well, if it just makes you super fat while using it on a bulk or a blast, man, then you should not use it when you're cruising because... I mean, I'm guessing that's because it makes you so hungry. You're saying that it makes you super fat. Uh, because when you're on a cruise, you're going to be way more susceptible to gaining fat than you are when you're on a bulk. And, uh, you know, it's... Why, why then would you want to use it on a cruise if you get fat when you're on a bulk and you use it? it the effect is going to be intensified 
Uh, so I definitely recommend against that. You know, M- MK6, if you want to use growth hormone to, to burn fat, MK677 is not the answer. Uh, you need injectable pharmaceutical grade growth hormone and there's not, you know, all this other stuff is, is going to be such a disappointment to you if you try to use something else uh, for that purpose. Uh, but if you want to gain weight, um, MK677 can certainly help you with that since it makes you very hungry, okay? And it sounds like you've experienced that. Okay, the next question is from Austin. If pros stay big year-round, do they have to run big amounts of gear year-round? How does their health stay in decent condition? Well, yeah, but most of the gear, you know, most of them take something like a month off of PEDs after their biggest competition of the year. Um, And then, you know, for the most part of the year, something like three months or six months, before the competition season starts again, which when they start getting ready for that, it's like three to four months out. Um, you know, they're just taking hormones unless they're being really aggressive. But the the ones who are in it for the long term, not just for a short, um, like, you know, rise up super fast with a bang and then, you know, out. But the guys who are doing it more long term and they're they're uh, icons, you know, for decade or or decades you know, these guys, when they're not in the competition season, they're just taking test and DECA pretty much, equipoise a little bit. You know, they, they may be running a little bit low dosage D-ball or Anadrol, uh, but it's mostly just really large dosages of testosterone and, and DECA, you know. Obviously, I'm talking vials. Um, and, and you know, you, you say, like, you know, how do they keep uh, health in decent condition? Well, uh the health problems that can, you know, arise from using those things uh, like cholesterol, you know, a lot of them are on a cholesterol medication, blood pressure. A lot of them are on a blood pressure medication. I mean, you get the gist. Okay. So they're, they're pros and they're, you know, they're doing this in a really extreme way. And so they're, if they're going to do that with any type of longevity, they have to take kind of extreme mitigating measures in order to, like you said, keep their health in decent condition. So is that really common for, um, you know, pro bodybuilders to be taking cholesterol medications, being taking blood pressure medications, etc.? Yeah, that is pretty common. Yeah, that's more of the status quo. It's more common than not. Uh, just for one, just for one, just quick suggestion on a blood pressure medication, something like beta blockers sucks. Because it makes it affects your heart directly, it slows it down, it makes it not beat as hard, and makes you really tired. Um, and then you know stuff like diuretics is going to make you weak. It's going to mess up your electrolytes. Um, so that pretty much leaves you with one other kind, and that is angiotensin type two receptor antagonists, which that is a hormonal system in your body that causes your veins to constrict or relax and so when the veins constrict and tighten up they it increases the uh, the blood pressure because then the tube is that the blood is uh, flowing through is then hard and rigid so the pressure inside it with the same volume of blood is more than if it was relaxed and so when you take the angiotensin type 2 receptor antagonist, 
it's a it's a signal to the angiotensin system in your body which is what controls the veins being relaxed or being tight and constricted it's a direct signal to them to relax and so so a a good blood pressure medication in that um, in that category is called tell me sartan and that's usually taken at about 80 milligrams a day uh, for that blood pressure uh, blood pressure medication tell me sartan can make you a little bit tired but not much um, and it does a good job of reducing blood pressure uh, systolic blood pressure 15 points 15 points would be pretty average for taking that so it's good, uh, you know, if you're dealing with uh, high blood pressure and you can't get it to go away um, through your diet or through, you know, the hormones that you're taking, something like that can be an option because uh, having chronic high blood pressure is going to be, it's a silent killer and it's going to be something that's silently in the background doing things that you won't like. And if you keep that up for years and years and years, that's going to be something that is going to take a fairly large toll on your health over time. So that would be, you know, blood pressure. You want to keep that in the normal range around 120 over 80, um, you know, 130 over 85. But if it's getting higher than that and, and you, you know, it's like all the time and you can't keep it down, you know, to that range, you know, you got to you got to think about. Because that's going to be that's going to be one that is pretty pretty damn significant over time. Keeping good blood pressure. Okay. Um. Trevor asks, "Love the podcast. Appreciate the honesty and transparency on the topic of PEDs." Um. My question: I'm 24, competed in six natural NPC shows. Since 2016, just started 250 milligrams test E four weeks ago. Started 178, now up to 193. What should I begin to notice as the test kicks in? And what kind of progress, considering all of their fundamentals are in check, training, nutrition, recovery? I know this is low dose, but so far, biggest thing I've noticed is more fullness in my upper body. This leads me to my next question as to when and what should my first cycle or blast consist of and how long? Yeah, I think it has kicked in. Um, you know, you started it four weeks ago and you went up, uh, 15 pounds. Uh, you're probably eating to, to gain weight. Um, and also when you start taking testosterone from not taking testosterone, you normally gain 10 pounds in the first week of that. Um, and then the first sign that you notice of being on testosterone is, um, being just a bigger version of yourself. Like what you said, you've noticed more fullness in your upper body but not a different shaped or like a steroid shaped version of yourself. It's not like that. It's just a bigger version of yourself. Um, exactly like before. Um, and then not like a steroid looking version of yourself. That's not what it does. Um, and, th and then, cause it's natural, it's not an unnatural hormone. And then, uh, also the other thing that you notice is like, uh, usually something about your nipple, like, Oh, my nipple itches or something like that. Um, and, and that's like a sign of having high estrogen levels, which 
normally naturally you know you've never had that before but now you're kind of <laughs> noticing that for for the first time so usually like feeling estrogen is the first telltale sign when you start testosterone that you get and you know like oh my testosterone's real because you felt estrogen it's it's pretty uh it seems like it's it's a little bit backwards but that's actually usually the first thing that you notice you know when you want to gain some real size and strength if you just keep that going or you just increase it to 500 milligrams a week and you should add in something like anadrol like 50 milligrams for six weeks or something like that um and uh i mean that's that's going to get you a lot bigger a lot faster and stronger and get you kind of more of that steroid look going on where you're really looking different <laughs> uh jack asks listening to the podcast every day how come i experience so much injection pain and sometimes have a fever after injecting 500 milligrams per milliliter testosterone is it the high milligrams per milliliter that's doing this thank you yeah yeah you got it it is the high milligrams per milliliter um when when they make it really high milligrams per milliliter, per milliliter like that, they have to put harsh solvents and use synthetic oils to make it fit. That many milligrams fit in only one milliliter of liquid. And your body doesn't like that. So it's annoying your body. When you put it in there, your body's having a bit of a freak out reaction, uh, giving you a fever, trying to kill it. <laughs> the invading substance that it doesn't want in there and uh, giving you a lot of injection pain, trying to isolate it in there. So it, your body's just saying like, no, I don't like this because you know, it's, it's not made right. They don't make 500 milligrams per milliliter human grade testosterone. So yeah, does it work? You know, can you fit 500 milligrams of testosterone in one milliliter? Yeah. But um, when you're using UGL stuff, you want to, you don't want to go that route. And and the reason why people do that is because they're like, oh, well, it's cheaper for how many milligrams. But then that's another like cop out being, being like, oh, I'm going to use, you know, inferior gear because it's cheaper and you're like injecting it into your body and shit. And so it's not like I haven't done that too, you know, and, you know, fucked up my leg doing that. But you know, nowadays I, I never get that shit that, that is, you know, I, I wouldn't use that, you know, 500 milligrams per milliliter, per milliliter testosterone. That would be garbage to me. You know, I just use 250 milligrams per milliliter. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the way the pharmaceutical companies make it. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'll just use that and it'll, it'll solve all your problems. Okay, Alex says, instead of using steroids to push past my genetic potential, then having to use a cruise to maintain the muscle since it's past my genetic potential. My question is, can I use roids to get to my natural potential and then maintain naturally? Probably a few years worth of roids, but is that a pipe dream? Or is it possible to do assuming my diet and training are in check? Well, let me tell you this. When you're natural, you go like bigger and smaller based on, you know, like whether you're training or whether you're dieting or not, you're not just completely static all the time. And if you stop training for three months, you get smaller, um, and not as strong. Um, and then, 
you know, if you stop taking steroids, you get smaller and not as strong, okay? Anything that you're doing is causing the body to make an adaptation to it. So your diet is causing the body to get a certain result from it. And if you stop doing it, then the result stops and it goes back. Your training is making your, your body have a certain adaptation stimulus. And if you stop the training, then you go backwards. If you, the steroids are making your body have a certain stimulus and adaptation. If you stop taking the steroids, you go backwards, all right? So if you ever stop taking steroids, you, you go backwards. Um, you, you can't, and I think that whole idea of I'm going to take a cycle to reach my natural limit and then I'm going to go off and maintain naturally and I'm going to be like this peak natural because of doing that. That's totally unrealistic, man. I don't know if that's ever happened in the history of humanity. That's like, there's plenty of people though on the internet that talk about wanting to do that. Plenty of naturals who have never used steroids before saying that that's like what they're going to do. And that's their dream. Jack asks, I know all questions won't get answered, but what do you think about this? Chris Bumpstead only using 500 milligrams of test a week. Okay, well, does that sound right to you? What does he look like? Is he Mr. Olympia? Okay, and so obviously it's like all-out competition for Mr. Olympia, and so that means that everybody's doing as much as they can. And who are the people that get to the Olympia? Well, they're the people with the best genetics who do as much as they can to be the best. So now you, you just think that he only takes 500 milligrams of test? No, that doesn't make sense because everybody... Only the people with the best genetics are there on that stage anyway. And only the people who are willing to do the most craziest shit are on that stage anyway. All the other people have been weeded out in the lower levels of competition. And so now if you just say that he's using 500 tests, it's like, come on, use your brain. That's, that's a lie. Okay, and the next thing he said was, Big Rammy, 18 IUs of growth hormone a day plus 5,000 milligrams test a week as a base. These insane numbers true. Well, I told you earlier that I've taken 15 IUs of growth hormone before post-workout, okay? So now obviously you know that it's possible for Big Rammy to take 18 IUs of growth hormone a day because that's only three more IUs than I took one day before, okay? <laughs> He's Mr. Olympia. And then the other thing is 5,000 milligrams of tests per week as a base, and he's probably taking more. Okay, so... I know a guy in person who he looks like he goes to the gym. He looks like he lifts weights, but he's by no means a heavyweight bodybuilder. Okay. Um, and he takes 5,000 milligrams of pharmaceutical grade tests per week. And like he could build and grow on a lot less. And I've asked, you know, like, why, why are you doing that? Why are you taking that? And what he told me is that it's what he likes to do. It's the way that, he like he likes the way it makes him feel. So some people, you know, they like to take a lot of coffee every day or something. <laughs> like to drink a lot of coffee. They, you know, they they like to smoke cigarettes, whatever. And and why do they do it? Because they like the way that it makes them feel. So this guy who's like a normal size, like gym goer that I'm telling you about, like he looks like he goes to the gym. He looks like he lifts weights, but he's by no means. Big Rammy, okay? He takes 5,000 milligrams of pharmaceutical grade tests per week 
because he likes the way it makes him feel. Okay, so is that then you're going to say, oh, you know, is, is this insane number, Big Remy taking 5,000 milligrams test a week, is it true or is it impossible? Obviously, it's fucking true. <laughs> okay. Then, uh, okay, next next question. Uh, thanks for the question, by the way. I, I you know, I said swear word at the end there, Jack. I, I didn't mean that uh, directed at you. Um, I... I enjoyed your question. I thought it was a good question. Um, I was, I was just, uh, saying that for everybody. So thanks for the good question, Jack. Uh, TGV asks, and this will be the last question for today. I've been following your channel for a while now. Heard you talk about trend, making a guy's dick smaller, a person's dick smaller and thought there's no way. But now that I'm on it, I have noticed that it's not as big when erect and it's been making me feel self-conscious but it's bigger when it's soft, but maybe, but when it's hard, it's smaller. Basically, can you explain why this happens or make a video dedicated to this problem? I love trend, but I don't like the side effect. Also, does any other co problems, compounds cause this problem too? Thank you. You know, that last part, does any other pro compounds cause this problem? A few guys get it from, from Diana Ball. Because uh, Diana Ball has a weird form of estrogen. Uh, what Why this is happening is is that you know, Tren hits all hormone receptors. It's it, it's a very, you know, it was created from progesterone, Trenbolone. It comes from progesterone. Uh, so all the sex hormones are similar. That's why you can transform testosterone into estrogen with the aromatase enzyme or into dihydrotestosterone with the 5-alpha reductase enzyme. They're all similar, okay? So progesterone is not that much different than testosterone. Uh, so trend is related to testosterone. It's related to progesterone. It's related to estrogen, etc. But it it can't turn into estrogen. But the actual trenbolone molecule can hit receptors on any sex hormone um, receptor. Okay, uh, so it's it's very universal. And so when you're talking about something like your your sex function and your dick. You know, when you've got all these different hormonal receptors and stimulation in your dick going on, it needs to be pretty much like perfect, you know, for an erection to occur. And then you got trend in there. Uh, for for a good amount of people, that can make the erection just not work all the way, the way it's supposed to be. So it will be like a little bit not as big around or as long because it just won't be like filling with max blood because of the weird hormonal situation that's going on in there. Um, I mean, that, that's basically it. Um, you know, cabergolin helps a lot, obviously, but usually not all the way, you know, it really depends too. And it's kind of like a thing that can go from cycle to cycle, like some trend cycle, it's more effective than another. <laughs> Anyways, you know what trend is, you know, trend works and, and it's great, uh, for, for bodybuilding, but you know, it's one of those things like oh, I was talking about high dose growth hormone at the beginning of the of the this podcast uh, it's it's like if you take the trend it's going to be very in your face a lot of the time especially if you're using more than 350 milligrams per week and it's going to be doing a lot of things that are going to make you uncomfortable in addition to the great bodybuilding type of things that it's doing for you all right guys so that was the last question of the day today uh don't forget if you want to get on a phone call with me and, uh, you know, talk about your cycles, your diet, your training, 
etc. Your side effects, whatever. Uh, you can uh, get on the phone with me. It's $59 for a one hour phone call consultation and uh, hit me up steroidspodcast at gmail.com to ask me about that. And then if you wanted to do the one month daily text messaging with me where it's the same thing, you can ask me, you know, whatever questions bodybuilding related you need every day and I'll always get back to you in 24 hours or less. You can ask as many questions as you need per day. Uh, some guys ask a lot. Some guys ask not many. It's, you know, it's, it's up to you. It's whatever you need, you know, it's tailored for you. So, uh, and you don't have to wait for me to reply to you. You know, you can ask me as many as you need, load me up, and then I'll always get back to you within 24 hours. All right, guys, have a good day. If you would like your questions to be answered on the Steroids Podcast, go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on Instagram. Until next time.